Global One Media Stocks to Watch. I'm Michael Suido. I'm speaking today with Delane Weeks. She's the CEO of Angor Resources. They work in the energy and mineral sector, primarily in Canada and Cambodia, and they're carving out a niche as a socially responsible investor, something which, frankly, can be challenging to do in some markets. We'll get to that soon enough. But first, Delane, welcome to the show. Thanks very much, Michael. I appreciate, I appreciate being able to share our story. Excellent. In December, your company announced a deal to acquire a 40% stake in an oil and gas project in Saskatchewan, Canada. It's in a place called Evesham and Macklin, about 325 kilometers northeast of Calgary. You paid about $4.4 million Canadian dollars for that stake. And earlier this month, your company received its first payout from the project, a distribution of more than $260,000. So congratulations for that. Now, I'm curious, up until recently, your company focused primarily on gold and mineral exploration in Cambodia. So what drove you to take a stake in an oil and gas project in Canada? For several years, we have been looking at, we look at the natural resources. And because our team had such a strong background in oil and gas as well, it started actually in Cambodia with the government saying, would you help us? Will you look at oil and gas here as well? Um, as we, as we all emerged out of COVID and, and we were doing a shift with the company, we also had the opportunity to look at some projects in Canada. And this one was well known by the principles of Anchor. And so when the opportunity came up to first go in and just do the gas capture of the production of that field, and then a year later, we had the opportunity to buy 40% of the oil production and the water disposal as well. So that was the reason for the shift. There was a great opportunity. We still believe strongly in hydrocarbons across the globe as an energy source and ultimately doing it really, really well as part of that transition to renewables over the next couple decades. So you mentioned you did gas capture and now you're doing the oil production as well. And I guess what I find really interesting about this project is the environmental approach, which seems to make financial sense too. Uh, as I understand it, a typical oil production site vents gas through a tall flare stack and that contributes to carbon emissions and climate change. But your company's approach is to capture that gas and use it. So what I'm wondering is why doesn't everyone do it? Is it difficult? Is it expensive? What is it? Well, ultimately, if we capture that gas, we have to we have to do something with it. So it either has to it either has to be vented, flared, or taken in a pipeline to another facility. So part of this was there aren't facilities everywhere that can take those gases, and there has to be a reasonable price in gas sales for oil companies to take it on. We took it on because we saw the environmental, here's his production field, and it was about 30 wells, um, and they're producing oil and water, and but they didn't have a place for the gas. So mm. we worked with them to say, is there a facility that we could buy and reformulate to uh, with pipelines to connect that? And we would take that on. Now, gas is fluctuated a great deal over the last 18 months. And so it's a very low price right now. So most producers will kind of go, no, not going to, we're not going to invest in that because it's just, unless it's mandated by the government and Saskatchewan is now moving on vented gas, 
but the flaring still continues. So on our particular field of 30-some wells, there is no flaring and there is no venting because we've captured all of that, put it through a pipeline into a, a collection facility, and then we process it and sell it to the provincial regulators so that we can keep our homes warm in the winter and cool in the summer. And that makes economic sense to do that? Um, it's a tough, it's a tough economic picture with with the current gas prices. However, in a long term, um, it's the right thing to do. And environmentally, we will also look to capture credits on that. Um, and and that's part of the reason we also took on the 40% acquisition of the oil production and the water disposal, because that gave us additional cash flow to what the gas sales would have been. Mm, okay, that makes a lot of sense. Now, I'm curious, you've commented before that your approach here could be a template for other producers in the region so they don't have to vent gas into the atmosphere. Uh, you've also said that economically, maybe the price points are a bit challenging, but certainly in terms of climate change and environment, it makes a lot of sense. So are you making progress in terms of convincing others to go down this route? We are. We have... Um... We have about 3 million cubic feet per day as capacity, and we're well under that right now. So we are in discussions with surrounding producers who are flaring and, and have said, look, we'll take your gas. We can take that. And um, we're going to have to put pipelines in place in some cases. And, and that can be an expensive undertaking as well. You know, it, uh, pipelines can be expensive. They can run between 100 to 125,000. Uh, per kilometer to put them in place. So if you've got something that's 10 kilometers away, um, you know, you're a million plus dollars. But depending on the gas volume that you can add to the facility, that increases both your gas sales and the potential for credits down the road. Okay, that's fantastic. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, I want to segue now from Canada to Cambodia, uh, which is where your company derives its name from. So Angor Resources, I uh, always think of Angor Watts in Cambodia. And your company holds three mineral exploration licenses in Cambodia, as well as another license for what I understand is the country's first onshore oil and gas exploration. Now, not long ago, back in November, uh, your company inked a $4 million deal with a company from Dubai. They're called Almighty Natural Resources. And that deal is to explore gold and copper production on two properties in Cambodia. What's the, what's the latest on that front? So they have, um, they just started with their team. They've added a couple of members, a couple of geos to our team to explore Oyadeo North, which is directly north of the Pumsarung mine. So we have veins running north right into that property. And we are, we just completed a survey over that land and are looking to identify drill targets. As well, the Andong Mia license has some great copper and gold prospects on it. So those two will be will be targeting to be drilling those out in 2024 as well. So ultimately we move ahead. The nice thing with that is we've got a uh, Almighty is responsible to pay 100% of the costs. We are the operator and we maintain 20% of a carried interest. So over the next couple of years, as they invest that $4 million, then they earn in to the property interest. That's a, that's a really interesting structure you all have there. 
Uh, on the topic of economics of this, the price of gold has been on an upward trajectory over the past several years. It's now trading north of 2,000 US dollars an ounce. And demand for copper is quite strong as well. So I'm wondering, could you put a dollar value on the potential of these sites? It's really tough, Michael, because until you prove it out, you don't know how many ounces you have of uh, or how many pounds of copper. Um, but ultimately, the copper porphyry that we've identified is very large. Like we're talking a couple of kilometers by. So it's mm. something that's very substantial. Copper takes a lot of drilling to prove it out in order to meet the compliance in the 43101 reserve reports. Um, on the gold side, um, that's also a large anomaly that's uh, with some really high grade near surface samples. So we want to do a little bit more work on that and then drill that hopefully um, soon in, in 2024. So I would, I would guess by quarter two, we would hope to be drilling that out as well. All so right, economically, I didn't really, the amount, what is it worth? <laughs> it's underground. So until we drill it and prove it, I, uh, but I mean, we're looking, look, you're looking for deposits that are, everybody wants a couple million ounces of gold and, and uh, millions of tons of copper, but we wouldn't be continuing on with these if they did not indicate commercial quality and quantity. So we'll see as the exploration proceeds. All right. So stay tuned for that dollar figure. Yeah. Yes. Now, I mean, I was struck when, by a couple of things when I was reading about this deal. Uh, one, you alluded to, and that's your partner is paying 100% of the costs. It's committed to spend $4 million US dollars over a four-year period. It also notes that there are already multiple drill-ready targets. And it says that your company has established great working relationships with the local communities around the sites. I want you to tell us more about those relationships with the communities. How have you done that? Ultimately, we've had a very strong I mean, 10 years ago, it was CSR, you know, but ultimately we went into the project saying, let's make sure we do this the same way that we would like it done if it was our land. So we've developed Cambodia's first template for working with Indigenous people um, that literally goes from prospecting, exploration, development, production, reclamation. So we work with them in economic development, education, healthcare. And, and I'm really proud of that. I think it's something that we have set for the entire nation. And, and ultimately we have certainly had great uptake on that. Um, they work for us when we need, um, when we need laborers in the field and, and we then work with them on educating their communities in in their own community so little things like and and on the environmental side for example there's a teacher in a in a village but they don't have any power so in order to teach they said well can we get some we need some we need some light we need some okay we'll put in some solar lights so that they can teach after hours and move towards um they've got some light to work with it's not a big expensive undertaking. It's about the attitude of how we want to do business. And we often get asked, you know, break that down. How much is that going to cost the company when you look at proving a reserve and, and, and doing this work with the communities? And it's so, it's so tiny when we talk about the actual dollars 
The value comes in actually implementing it and working with them side by side. Yeah, I mean, it, it's the right thing to do. Uh, and it's great to hear that. And just hearing you tell that story about the school uh, back, uh, you might say it was another lifetime. Uh, I was a Peace Corps volunteer in West Africa in a school. And I went there before the start of the school year. And it was a relatively new building. And it was extremely hot, 50 degrees in the shade. And I saw these ceiling fans. And I was so excited. But I wasn't naive. I, I asked the director of the school. I said, do they work? And he said, Michael, they work great. We just brought out some batteries, tested them. They spend fine. Two years I was in that school, they never turned because the school had no electricity. You know, And so hearing what you're doing, bringing solar power to, to that school so that they have electricity and can study and teach in you know, a comfortable environment, that's fantastic. Yeah. I think it's, it's not do unto others as you'd like them to do unto you. And, you know, another example, I mean, this is years ago now, but working in a community where we were exploring nearby and the kids were walking about a kilometer and a half into a kind of a slough area to gather water. So we drilled a well uh, with the community and I mean, they did the labor and whatnot, but we, we contributed certainly to the cost of actually drilling it. And, um, Put it in place and and I was told by one of our staff, they said, they call it the doctor. I said, What? Yeah, they call this well the doctor. And I said, because because they said this is the closest they're ever going to get to having a doctor in the community. And since that well's been in, the cases of malaria have gone way down. Everybody's healthier, they've got clean water, it's accessible. And so they call it, they call the well the doctor. Totally makes sense. I mean, clean water is essential for life. And yet there are so many communities where that is not the case. Yeah. All right. Now, I'm going to get back. I would like Sorry, to I'd ahead. like to clarify because I, I mean, people go, oh, my goodness, you know, we've got a CEO that's got a all she does is social development. No, this is part of everyday activities when we are exploring in the field. And so it's 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 parallel and it's. It's about how we do business. It's not about doing business. It's about how you do it. And, and that's why it, it's just part and parcel of our philosophy of moving forward. Take a look around and what can we do better? And what is the community asking for assistance with? And ironically, it's never money. It's never, ever been, will you give us money? That doesn't happen. It's about partnership. It's about making the communities better. And, and I get it. I mean, it's an investment. If you don't do this, I mean, there are cases elsewhere in the world and communities turn against the company that's there. And that could be extremely costly. So, I mean, yes. doing the right thing is also the right thing for the company. Sure. Absolutely. Let's take a step back now. And I want to well, step back, step forward. I'm curious what else is on your calendar for the rest of the year? Uh, what milestones should we be on the lookout for? So we've got several coming up over the next six months that I think, uh, so this first one was to create solid cash flow, recurring cash flow. And, and that will come to us monthly. The second that we are looking forward to is advancing those properties on Oyadale North and on and Ongmiya, getting those drilled out. Um, the third would be to expand what we're doing in Saskatchewan to involve those other producers surrounding us and capturing additional flare gas 
And there's one site with some venting gas that we're um, trying hard to to acquire. Um, ultimately, we would then get our our gas capture facility up from half a million a day to towards that three million cubic feet per day. And then the fourth one is where we are in negotiations with the Cambodian government. We have a proposal in front of them to restart their offshore production. Now, this was a project that um, the only production Cambodia ever had, um, but Chris Energy went into receivership and ultimate bankruptcy in 2021. So the platform and all the offshore facilities became the property of the government. And they would like to restart that project. Um, we've done studies on it and had reservoir um, analysts uh, on it for um, well over 18 months. And we have this proposal in front of them at their request. So hopefully they would review that shortly. And we do have that fully funded by a, um, an international partner. So we could move forward on that quite quickly. And that would be that would be the next one moving forward. And then, of course, it's to uh, look for other revenue streams. Um, it might be carbon credits. It may be some additional niche markets that we found that are working well and look very, 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 very promising when we're talking about quick turnaround. So that's what we're doing over the next six months. I'd say you have a, a full plate, a lot on your plate right now. Yeah, right, well, so we like we like the variety, Michael, and uh, and I think we also have the expertise in it. So, if there's an opportunity, we want to bring value to our shareholders, and the best way of doing that is to look for those opportunities that others aren't chasing. All right. Well, speaking of bringing value to your shareholders, if we take a look at Angler Resources share price, it's currently trading near the top end of its 52-week range. That said, uh, since the start of the year, it's pretty much been in a tight range between nine and 11 cents a share. So Delane, what's your message to investors? Why should someone invest in Angler Resources now? Well, as an investor, what I look for is, um, A, is it a, is it a sound project? And, and ultimately, we've been at this for over a decade and, and we are the biggest investors. So we put our money where our mouth is. So we've got a vested interest from management and we are going to move things forward. That would be number one. They're, of course, looking for a financial return. So how do we get that share price up to, you know, double, triple? Look, this is the first time in 12 years that Anchor now has monthly cash flow. If that is not a catalyst, while we maintain all the other projects, then I'm not sure what is. So I, I think that there's, as we go through the next couple of months and we acquire more and more of that, then I think there's a really solid chance that that share price is going to go from 10 cents to 20 or hopefully 30. And when I do the calculations on the, on the market cap, I, I think it's, it's, it's definitely worth that. The other thing for investors is you want to be part of something that not only brings you financial return, but also brings you social return. So look for a company that actually walks the talk and delivers on social, environmental, 
and governments on those ESG. And we've described a few of the things that we've been doing, but but those are real, deliverable, measurable um, elements that as, a, as an investor, you can say, I'm part of something that's really positive. And I think that that's something investors want to be able to tuck, tuck in their back pocket when they're also making a financial return. And I think finally, uh, look, it's easy to double your money in a 10 cent stock. It's entirely or challenging to double it on a $10 stock. So if there's a time to get in, I would think it's pretty solid. And anybody can check Cedar. You can see that we continue to buy. We continue to to um, support it because we believe in it. I wouldn't be doing it if we didn't, uh, um, you know, our team would, they wouldn't continue with this if we didn't see the upside. So, so I think those... Sorry. You're making a case that your stock is undervalued, that this is a good time to get in, and that not only does your company provide the opportunity for a strong financial return, people can also feel good that they're investing in a company that is doing good as well as making money. So kudos on that. Uh, you know, we're at the beginning of the year of the dragon here in Asia, hence the dragon tie today. So let me wish you a very prosperous new year. Well, thanks so much, Michael. And again, I really appreciate Global Media giving us the opportunity to, to share some of this. And, and yeah, Happy New Year to everyone. We've been speaking with Anger Resources CEO, Delane Weeks, and you've been watching Global One Media's Stocks to Watch. I'm Michael Swadell.